0: Welcome, everybody, to today's episode of Yankee Chronicles podcast. And I'm Bobby. I'm here with Donald, David, and Rob. And before we get started, we just want to ask you to check out statementgames.com, where you can find a unique experience, little fantasy sports, and check out docadamsbaseball.org and learn about the founder of baseball. So we left off yesterday where we were going to talk about our favorite free agent signings and the ones we thought were just the worst. But... The Chronicle Spy continues to loom and Raul Abanez just got promoted yesterday and somebody's listening to us even though they won't come out and say it because what we were literally talking about yesterday is what he got a job for uh, watching over the umpires. This is just I want royalties because this is bullshit. (laughs) You know if you're listening to, it, just say something. Just let us know. Hey guys, great idea. We're going to use it because this is happening a lot, and it's fun because it gives us something to laugh over. So, as far as
1: answer, it, right, well. It's got to be Manfred, right? Because We all hate him, so it's he's his, not going to ever admit. Of course, it's Man Shifts. It's always Man Shifts. He's <laughs> listening
2: right now, and he's going to steal every goddamn thought we have, guys.
0: So, and that, hey, well, Manfred, well, love you. Yeah. <laughs> Call up Cashman, get Merrifield. Yeah. All right. Let's see how quick that <laughs> happens now. <laughs> Don't worry about Gardner. Get Donald, check your phone for breaking
2: news on Wit real quick. All right, <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: on. <laughs> it's fine. Um, also, um, drop a comment if you want. You know, let us know if you you agree with us. Let let us know what you, you know. If there's anything that you want us to discuss, or if there's somebody that we talk about today that you thought was a good free agent or a bad free agent signing. And um, we will mention it in tomorrow's show if you do leave a comment. So I'm gonna let Evan kick it off with. Uh, we're gonna start with the bed, and we'll, we'll we'll try to end on a happier note. <laughs> um, Evan, who do you think was the the worst free agent that
2: the Yankees? I mean, there there's so many, so but uh, I'll go. I'll go with Javier Vasquez both times. <laughs> nice got him. Um, awful <laughs> but the number one has to be keogawa i mean i know you guys are probably going to mention him pretty soon but he oh, is yeah, by yeah. far the worst and they made that move because like they always do is a reactionary move based on what other teams were doing you yeah. know they had no scouting report on keogawa they were just like oh we, we heard this guy's pretty good okay give him 60 million like it was, it was ridiculous. And h- how many games did he play in the major leagues? Like six, and then an era around 15.
0: <laughs> yeah. so, uh, he was terrible.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah, you're right on that.
3: Uh, it says here, um, the guy was downright awful in 2007. The <laughs> guy <Agawa> went to <laughs> literally says it on the website, uh, a went two and three with a 625 era, and his a wonderful appearance in 2008. He made two appearances, one star going all and one with a 13.5 ERA. There it is.
0: There he goes. <laughs> There's yeah, the double go. digits. Oh, boy. God. Rob, who was your who's the one that makes you cringe?
1: Nick Johnson back in 2010. Yeah. They gave up Hideki Matsui to bring back the same guy who failed with us the first time and just like Evans was, it was like bringing back another guy that we already had that already failed. And the big thing about Nick Johnson was, oh, he gets on base. We're going to put him number two behind Jeter. So Jeter's going to get on. Johnson's going to walk and watch this lineup go. The lineup was not as good as it was the year before because they let Matt Suey go, and that same money that could have went back to bringing back the World Series MVP was given to Mr. Injury himself, Nick Johnson. And I actually got to see one of them, one of their games live in Tampa that year. And he didn't do anything as expected. Yeah. It, it was such a terrible move. And there's a lot of other ones. Like Igawa's obviously everyone's top. Javier Vasquez is on that list as well. Another one I really just did not like was um now I can't now you can't even think of it. Come back to me and I'll come, I'll get I'll get back to you on that that third one.
0: Donald, what about you – with a bullet. Carl
3: Frickin' Pavano. yeah Oh boy. He's the I think he's the goat of the bad signing. He is the goat. <laughs> like the greatest goat of all what a, oh my god. I mean they actually need to rename the, the disabled list for Carl Pavano. Like that's what, you know what I mean? Because he, what, all these creative injuries that, that took years to recover from. Him. A sore ass and shit. Yeah, he was a freaking disaster. Uh, there were some other great ones. Um, Kyle Farnsworth. I freaking hated him. Um, Jared Wright. Jared Wright was freaking awful. Remember him? Uh, Tony Womack. What was an awful signing? <laughs> Remember that one? Kevin Eucharist. Yep, you Tony Womack had 15 errors and he had to be taken out. <laughs> and then they brought in Robinson Cano. He committed 15 errors prior to being taken out. Probably forcibly. Um, <laughs> yeah, he was he was awful. Um well, well, oh how
0: are we not mentioning Ellsbury? See, oh, that was God. I was just gonna say, I'm gonna up the ante on the, the goat of the injury. And Ellsbury is my – to me, it was the worst sign free agent. Oh, P- Pavano
2: bothered me especially, though, because his press conference was huge. They acted like he was about to be the ace Cy Young missing piece. And it you. was like – I watched it, and I was like, it's, it's Carl Pavano. Like, let <laughs> me just get Roger Clemens back. Like,
0: what are you guys doing? <laughs> But the problem that I have with the Ellsbury, it wasn't the player. It was the contract. You know, the contract yeah. right off the bat, you I see. hate it. Too many years, too much money. Well, he, wasn't, if- he wasn't worth it. It was a reactionary contract because Cano left. And they needed to feel like, you know, we're the Yankees. We have to make a splash at any any cost. And it cost them a lot of years of wasted money because the guy never freaking played.
2: Didn't they offer him the contract when they saw that Cano was pretty much leaving and then Cano decided, well, you're giving him the same offer you gave me or you kidding me, and he left. That's, that's how I saw it. And you're right, it was a reactionary deal because when he did finally leave, they went ahead and didn't they do Brian McCann and, and Beltron as well that year? I mean, it was yeah. – it was ridiculous. It's like you didn't need to spend the same amount that Cano was on three players that were slightly above average but didn't fill needs
1: for us really. Well McCann you know, was we, done almost immediately that year. Like McCann signed very quickly. Yeah. That was their priority was to get McCann and then yeah. Beltron actually happened right after Cano left, like a few days after Cano. Yeah,
2: but like it was around the same time to the point where Cano knew what what Ellsbury was being offered, and was basically like, Are you fucking kidding me? That, that's how I read into it.
0: Yeah, but it, Ellsbury was the, the ghost.
2: But McCann can't, McCann was not a good contract either. I mean, he didn't finish that deal. You, you got a catcher with bad knees who you wanted to be, you know, your franchise or primetime catcher for five years and it just didn't make sense I would have rather had Russell martin back to be honest
0: yeah I just so I I think there was something behind the scenes with martin why like he didn't come back McCann was brought in just to kind of gap the gap a couple of years until the uh the immortal Gary was ready
2: yeah um so, it was a good the McCann trade was great though because I believe we got
1: who who we, we, we got a break for him yeah, Brayon. Thank
0: you. Yeah, we gotta bray you. Yeah, you guys have better memory than that than I do. I was like, huh? I knew we got a top prospect back. I just couldn't yeah. remember which one. No, I, I I I remember I remember when he came, but I don't I couldn't remember what who who came with him. But you know, we could probably sit here, you know, this is another one of these things. We can go on all day on just the band. We haven't even gotten
3: to the good yet. Well, remember, Kevin wait, Brown. guys remember when, we Kevin Brown,
1: yeah.
0: remember when
3: we
2: signed Jose Canseco? Remember when we signed Jose Canseco?
1: That was just so he didn't go to the Red Sox, right? They, they placed yeah. a wave of claim on him? Yeah, and then we didn't play him.
2: <laughs> <laughs> we,
3: played like, him we played him a couple of times in the outfield, and he was a fucking disaster because I was actually at one of the games that he was playing in right field, <clears> right? And I yeah. think I was in the right field bleachers and uh, there was a fly ball coming towards him and it kind of looked like he was wanting to barehand it. He was sort of like oh, uh, uh, and then we oh. were shouting, use the glove.
2: <laughs> <laughs> he hated playing for New York. He he he, he hit his head of off maneuver. the wall.
3: What a freaking it he was a disaster. Yeah, He's such a fucking asshole, too. But but does, at that but point, we
0: inter- better off just go we were better off letting him go to Boston.
2: Of course. Yeah, maybe. The the interesting thing about Cashman for me is I think that he is much, much better at trades than he is at free agent signing. I mean oh, yeah. he really he scouts players better and he makes good trades. I mean, you can look at the D.D. Gregorius trade, that was a yeah. steal. Uh Luke Voigt was a steal. Yeah. The fact that we uh, traded Chapman and then signed him back again and got Torres, that was a fucking steal.
3: I would have re-signed Chapman,
2: though. Not this time. Not to that length, but, it you know, it is what it is.
0: You know, sometimes we you know—we see these long contracts and we're like, we know we're going to get to the beginning of it is going to go well. Mm-hmm. And we know that it's going to hurt on the uh, at the end of the contract. If, if he was able to come through and really be a, a factor and got that World Series and his last couple of years was, was subpar, we would be okay with that. We got the ring. You know, we, you know I, I think sometimes we forget that we know these long contracts are not going to be in our favor at the end. I think the only one, you know, and those are very much exceptions to the rule, where LeMahieu, I think, is going to be one of those. He's going to be on top until, you know, for the whole length of the deal.
2: Your your best (laughs) point there is that um, if you win us a World Series, we're going to forget pretty much everything that you did wrong really quickly. Look at A-Rod, for example. He had one good playoff year with us. That was in 09, where he hit 400 the first two rounds and then 273 in the World Series. We won. And everyone credits him right next to Matt Sui when he wasn't even close to what Matt Sui was. He was good for two rounds. But if you look at the rest of his career as a Yankee and in the postseason, from 2004 to 2007, he bat under 200. After 09, he bat around 210. So stop! He sucked in the playoffs. He was garbage.
0: Oh, uh, any other any other bad ones that really just set you out? Because the Elsberry, the reason Ellsbury stood out for me, even though it was more recent, because I feel like his he set the organization back. Mm. Was there anybody else that that fell into that? Mold, where they really just handcuffed the organization from growing. You know, you can circle back to that one. You know, I would really think about that. Was, guys.
3: There was acquisitions that screwed the Yankees forever. Like, well, one of them was Vasquez for sure.
0: Yeah,
3: um, it was a disastrous trade. Um, and another one was bringing in Kevin Brown, uh, that obviously was. You know, that gave the Red Sox the World Series, essentially, (laughs) you know, Uh, what a fucking disaster he was. Uh, So, yeah, I would say he, he, that was a disastrous acquisition,
2: Kevin Brown, off the top of my head. You could say Randy Johnson, but that's just because of what happened in the playoffs. He was rather good in the regular season. He was okay right? in the regular season. Yeah, yeah, but
3: I, I,
0: mean, I think he, that I think that new, new you know, the um the New York Yankees postseason atmosphere was just uh, he, he was overwhelmed,
2: and he was also old at that point. I mean, his his career was was going down, and I think the expectations of New York fans based on his name is you better be randy johnson and it's yep. like he's randy johnson 10 years past his prime guys you got to understand that a little bit and know that he you know he tried his best didn't he get like a cy young after leaving us anyway he got some award when he left and did really well i know he had a perfect game he had a perfect game
3: after. Yeah, that, yeah that is crazy uh, was it just the New York media that did it for Randy? Because I know that he punched a reporter on his, like, before he, you know, and his yeah, periscope.
0: That, that was not a good welcoming party. Uh,
3: not a great start.
2: He's yeah. a grumpy cattle rancher. He's not supposed to be in New York. He needs to be
0: out in the middle of the country somewhere, you know? He's, Arizona
2: <laughs> is good for him. Yeah, that's
0: and true. that's why I, that, I, I kind of think Bumgarner not wanting to come to New York was best for you know, I mean it sucked for us. We would have loved to have him. But there was no way you were gonna take a player with that, you know, like that, you know, bum gone I think it's very much like he wasn't gonna make it in New York. I, mm-hmm. I think the media and us would have chewed him up. We'll look at his decline as well. He got what a five
2: year ninety plus million dollar last yeah. year for the Diamondbacks. And had one of the worst seasons we've ever seen. I mean, he had losing record. He had an inflated ERA. And half of us were sitting here last offseason and saying, you don't make this move. You don't give him a five-year deal when yeah. he's in a decline like this. You give him a one-year deal, hope he pitches well, and he can build up his and value for from death. that. And they didn't do it. They didn't do that. And if the Yankees had given him that deal, we'd be talking about him being that bad contract today.
0: Yep. Now, so, Donald, what, do you th- what was your – your, your favorite uh, free agent.
3: My favorite? Well, to be honest, right, if you're looking modern, day, DJ LeMay is one of the best signings we've ever had. Just in terms of value and the fact that he just walked in and he just started, you know, being a silver slugger, should be a two-time MVP if the if the writers were unbiased against the Yankees, you know. He would walk the MVP as far as I'm concerned. Um, so I think DJ LeMay is actually – uh, a modern equivalent of one of my favorites, uh, um, Matsui. Godzilla yeah. is an incredible pickup. Um, free agent pickup. He was definitely one of my favorites. CeCe Sabathia, uh, I think, has to be in the top five. Just He was just a, a, yeah. a work.
0: See, this is a list that could really go on and on.
3: Yeah, um, yeah. Those, are, those are the top three off the top of my head. There, yeah, you know, and we're but really so many more. on
0: on the players that we've seen come over. You know, we all know about you know Reggie Jackson. You know, mm-hmm. so you know, and everybody that came in on that era.
3: Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think of the Brian Cashman but, era rather than yeah, yeah. You
0: know, because that's the era that we've been most focused on. In yeah, our what you know since we've been watching baseball. You know, for me, I always I was very happy when they actually got to i know he's not a popular yankee oh, but he's a great signing i thought to share was a great signing i think he was i i liked you know i really enjoyed watching him play and when the yankees got him i was very excited about that I he annoyed
2: me a- he annoyed me more after his career yeah. than you yeah. know yeah. he worked really hard he cared a lot it's just the injuries and the slow starts really you know, got to him after a while. But the fact that he didn't go to Boston is huge. I don't think people understand that that is the reason that deal is so damn good.
0: Yeah, you know, it was – he played, you know, two years too long. But when we first got here, you know, in 2009, we didn't get the numbers that we expected in the postseason. But when it came to the regular season, season, he was that bat in the lineup that was going to push you to that, yes. that victory. You know, you had to play – You know, and the other one that mirrored him was Swisher. You know, you they were going to give you postseason performances up until October. Yeah, but I was still – you know, Desherry the, the was – you know, his glove work at first base. It didn't matter where the ball was going, you know, he very rarely, you know, had a mishap. Terrific.
3: Right. Terrific first baseman. You,
0: you could scoop him like, you know, like the good humor man. You know, he was he's really that good at first base. And he doesn't really get the the credit for what he was able to do.
2: Yeah, defensively yeah. he's right by, behind uh, Don Mattingly for yeah. us, you know.
0: Mm. No, Rob, what do, what do I have?
1: Well, I was going to say to share as well, because at the time we needed a first baseman. You know, that year we had Nick Swisher penciled in as our first baseman with Nady in right field. And then um, when we got to share, I went crazy because I was actually home for that signing. When we got CC and Burnett, I was in school both times when I found out about the signing. So I couldn't really go crazy. When we got to share, I was home on a I think it was a weekend or it might have been like it was after a Friday,
2: split. I believe.
1: It it might've been like Friday, like evening or something. And I went nuts. Like, I was like, this is the guy that's going to take us to like, it's going to make our lineup that much better. And Johnny Damon just had a, um, like he was just on a podcast recently where he kind of broke down that lineup and just how stacked and how balanced it was. And to share it added to that. And he was so good throughout his career before coming to us. And like Evan said, it was the injuries that really hurt him from being, you know, a really, really good signing at the time. It made perfect sense. Um, but another one that I was thinking of was actually Andrew Miller, because oh, we got good. him for such a bargain, and he was so good. <laughs> I was really upset when we traded him. Yeah, mm-hmm. I do love Me Clint too. Frazier. I didn't like it, but um, I wanted to keep him. this guy is—he was always reliable. That bullpen with him, Batantis, and Chapman was untouchable. Yeah. We didn't lose when when those three pitched in the same game. I think we had like one or two losses that year. Yeah, and that move was so good. Yeah. He was. So such a great signing. And I, if it's not to share it, it's Andrew Miller. I've actually
3: actually got one here, guys. My favorite postseason pitcher of all time, El Duque.
2: What a free agent signing. That was going to be mine, you jerk. (laughs) I thought (laughs) you. He's one of my favorite players of all time. When he caught the ball and had to throw his glove to first base. That was was awesome. I, I used to pitch like him. I could get my, my front left knee all the way up to my nose. That's how I pitched. I tried. And,
3: I was in awe. I
2: loved him. Oh, it was amazing. And, like, my pitching coach was like, stop trying to be El Duque. Like, the <laughs> leg kick doesn't do anything for you. I'm like, I don't
1: care. It's cool. <laughs> cool. It's cool. Um,
2: for me, though, I, I could go uh, – Mike Messina was a very good signing. Uh, Jason Giambi was a very good signing. Corota was a steal. Um, I mean, like you said, we can go on and on for days because I think we've had some really good uh, side. Uh, Raul Banez. he was a good signing. You know, we can just go on and on. Uh, I Nick Swisher is an interesting one too because I feel like he was a fun player to have when we were winning because his antics were really just awesome. And the energy was great. But when we started losing, look how fast the city, the team, and everyone turned on it. And you know, he, I think he just got a bad rap because of the type of personality he has. I mean, he was hated in Chicago by his, by his manager, but look who his manager is another guy whos high antics. I mean, you can't put, Two high-end people in a room and think it's going to go well. Like, no. You're going to put six of me in a room and think it's not going to be mass
0: chaos? No. One of you is mass chaos. Exactly. That's my point. (laughs) Yeah. I think with with, with Swisher, I think him being on this, him and Burnett were, they were like Abbott and Costello together. They, They really, they had a good time being here. You know, Burnett, Burned out, you know. But look you know, Burnett gave it. You know, he was a big factor in that that title. You know, every, and that's that's what I think a lot of people forget with two thousand nine. how how all of them, every player on that on that roster contributed to that to that trophy. Donnie Damon. Yeah. You know, we know, you know, Obviously, Matsui rose above them all. You know, he was the MVP. And Damon was good, though. Damon, that's what I
3: say. Yeah, uh, Damon, Johnny you know, Damon.
0: And I think with the antics of, of Swisher and and Burnett, you could even see the the difference in the the body language with A Rod. he, you know, he just felt like, all right, it's not on me anymore. I can just play.
2: Right. And you know, that's the worst part about A-Rod is that he doesn't want to admit it, but he's not very good at pressure or clutch situations. It weighs on him because he cares so damn much about the outcome that he almost freezes and, and fights himself against being good. Whereas Derek Jeter was such a carefree person that he would just go up there and do it. And it didn't matter. You didn't see the same level of you know, distractions or pain when he made mistakes because it just rolled off Jeter's back. didn't roll off A-Rod's back. He would be pissed for a week, month, the whole year. I mean, it, he he really – he takes to heart everything. Um, Robin, did you guys read what
3: Johnny Damon said? He, he says that he's far more of a Yankee than any other team. Yeah. Than, than he, he was the Red Sox. I like yeah, he that. He
0: really enjoyed his time here. He really yeah. did. Yeah. Yeah. He yeah.
2: also made a very good point on the podcast that you were referring to, Rob, where he said the reason why our lineup was so good was because it was so balanced with how many switch hitters yeah. and lefties we had. I think when our lineup was full, we had almost seven lefties in the lineup. Yeah, <laughs> and it was like four switch hitters and three lefties. Um, yeah. And it's just, you can't compete with that. And now we have one lefty on the team. And it's the guy who basically started 0-9, Brett Gardner. Yeah, that's that's the only laughter we have. Yeah,
0: you know, and I, it I doesn't work. Crazy. Yeah, you know, I want to get back to the you know to going down memory lane, but real quick with this year, I think that's why this year is going to be huge. We really need Aaron Hicks. We need that switch hitter in the lineup because he could be moved around in the batting water to really balance out the lineup against certain pitches. So Hicks, Hicks has to stay healthy because
2: no, need- and that's also the problem with Hicks is he is literally the perfect player yeah. if he doesn't get hurt and that is the worst thing to have to say about a player if he doesn't get hurt yeah. because that happens with so many guys where they can't reach their potential because of it. If you look at Aaron Hicks when he's on the field over the past couple of years, he's ranked second behind only Mike Trout for center fielders with
1: war. Yeah, it's really good. He gets on base. He does what you If The thing is with Hicks is you look at him and you say, oh, he's got a low batting average. But if like you take some of his walks and turn those into singles, he's like a 250, 260 hitter. And everyone's going crazy. Like, oh, this this is a steal. But because he's hitting like 230 but has a really high on base, people are like, oh, he's terrible. He's not worth 10 million. But it's like Evan just said, if he stays on the field, this guy is really good. And it's crazy because he was terrible when we first got him back. What was it? 2016. I think it was that first half of the season. He was pitiful. And then once we got rid of Deltron, I believe. And then um, Cashman made that comparison to Jackie Bradley Jr. Like, oh, he had a slow start. And then he turned his career around. Hicks just took off. And he was one of our more consistent players. And if you look at him when he's out there, like Evan just said, he's good. It's just that the issues of injuries. And that sucks to say about any player. I think
2: the batting average, too, is not something you could really focus on because if you look at the average of the league, he's actually doing far better than what the average is, you know? 230 is, is is better, especially when you have multiple people like Gary Sanchez who are batting 190. I mean, you, you see so many people finish the season with the record like that. It's like, really, guys? That didn't used to happen. That's not okay for that to happen.
3: Front offices don't care about batting average anymore, just like they're not overly worried about ERA. It's they
2: they look at the other advanced metrics. Exactly. Same with the strikeouts. They do not care if you strike out two to three hundred times a year. Well, and that's that what my stuff.
3: problem is. I think that is an issue. But in terms of batting average, I don't think it's a massive if I'd you're think- getting on base, you can walk, whatever, it's not
2: a massive issue for me. Well, yeah. for me, striking out is it's a bad habit. You know, you, yeah. you have a bad swing and the more you strike out, the more that bad habit is now being accelerated. So it's like you. I don't want
0: strikeouts.
1: They're doing no. something wrong. Fucking strikeouts. <laughs>
0: right See, and, and that's you, you just hit it right there. Swinging at the bad pitches becomes a, a habit. It's habitual. It's a learned behavior now, because you can't help. Now, now you. It's you know, like an addiction. You have to try to. You have to try to prove you can hit that pitch when you never will, and that's yeah. the problem with you know. With all the strikeouts, especially when it comes down to Judge and Sanchez, you throw that breaking ball down and away, mm-hmm. you know that you know they can't lay off that pitch. Same they with Stanton. Play. I love yeah. Stanton,
3: but he can't lay off that pitch. He cannot lay he's off. He's
1: been better at that. Yep. he's been better at that. When the few times he's been out there the last couple of years, you can see his uh, his patience has certainly gotten. Did better. anyone notice this? And you saw Stanton's-
3: him- Batting stance was was slightly improved this year. I, this past year, I think he was a little bit closer to the plate. Um, and I think he it helped his coverage. Stable, yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. Sorry to interrupt. That's all right. No, no, it's fine. You could see when the way he was swinging in the playoffs, you could tell he looked more comfortable. Yeah. Like he was on it. And he was the only guy that was consistently hitting. And he was better than DJ in the playoffs. He was better than pretty much everybody else in the lineup. He was the only guy yeah, that was I mean, hitting. And you can yeah, tell how it was he it. and Randy
2: or Rose Arena, and it's like people forget how good Stanton was because the Rosarina didn't fucking stop. It was ridiculous. It was so annoying. Yeah, yeah he kept
0: <laughs> going. After he, it. Drove he, it. Drove it, he drove me crazy. I'm like, yeah. stop pitching to him.
2: Just i no, know. Plump, 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 but like plump, the, the the interesting point about Sanchez is you're right with the breaking ball, but the, the one pitch that I can't stand watching him swing at is the way an outside low slider. He constantly – and it's like this weak hack where he's, like, extending way too far. And it's like, dude, you can't hit that. If you have to stand on your tippy toes and push the bat out six feet, you're not going to fucking hit the ball.
1: (laughs) My thing with with Sanchez is actually, like, if you look – you can tell that he was just really off this year because he wasn't hitting the fastballs either. Yeah. And you can see when he has that – That complete overswing when he has with two hands, when he swings and you can see the follow through has two hands on the bat you can tell he's completely off because he usually crushes those. Either it's a home run or he's getting into the gap or it's something down the line. And you can tell with his follow through that he just was struggling all around and, you know. I'm still going to support the guy. I think he's going to have a bounce back year, but that's how I knew he was just having just everything was off. Yeah. His
2: timing felt off. And from that, he seemed uncomfortable. And the more uncomfortable he got, the The more he started making those little mistakes where he was hacking at pitches, where he wasn't stable, where he was using two hands on a bad follow through. Um, You know, I feel like he gets in his own head and he just keeps going out there and going, Oh, I'm a good player. I'm just going to keep doing it. He's not making the adjustments because he doesn't, Know what adjustments need to be made, and yeah. when you don't know what adjustments need to be made, it's the most frustrating thing in the world for anyone.
0: And that's the part, and that's also affect his defense because now you're sitting behind the bat, you know, you're sitting behind the plate, and you're thinking about that third strike, and you're not. He's not, con, you know, he can't concentrate.
2: Right, and his catching issues have been an issue anyway. So when you're you're now now it's batting, elevated, right. Exactly. Like he relies on his batting to get him out of the slump for his catching. So now he's sitting back there going, well, I suck all around and I got to worry about this stupid new one leg thing that I'm doing back here. It's very hard to focus when you're, you know, as a catcher, you have to multitask all the time.
1: Mm -hmm. People forget the mental aspect of the game. You know, it doesn't help having the entire, almost the entire fan base screaming at you on social media. People don't think these players see it. It's a new I day and age, you know. If Twitter was a, if Twitter was around back in the '90s, you know how many people would have been screaming about the Scott Brocious move. He sucked when we got him. I mean, he turned out to be a fantastic player. Same with the guy like Knobloch. He wasn't I was gonna that say great. You uh, can
3: say that again.
1: With, <laughs> yeah. <people have> <laughs> yeah. So like you know, it, it just it doesn't help. I'm not saying he needs to be patted on the back, saying it's going to be okay, Gary. But you know, constructive criticism is good and all, but the mental aspect of the game is certainly real. And if you're struggling on both sides and everyone's just, like, negative towards you, it's certainly – uh, it's certainly going to weigh on Talk a player. Talk
3: about the Yips. Remember when, remember when Chuck Knopfloch forgot how to throw from second base to home plate? he kept yeah. throwing
1: it into the stands? And I he was almost gonna killed say. somebody? the ball rolled by him and he pointed oh. to it. you remember that? That's, like, one of the most infamous that scenes is, in yeah. my head. When the ball goes by him and he's, he's trying to, like, say it's interference and he just –
3: yeah, he just the, the, the ball, ball was right beside him, and he just looked at it and was like, People are running around the bases.
1: Like, I was like six years old cursing him out. Like, we gave him the nickname Blockhead. I because know of that. And every time I watched the '98 uh, World Series film, they just kept showing that. But he did redeem himself in that World Series game when he tied it with a three run homer. Yeah, right before Tino's. I'll never forget when he
3: had the ifs, though. I think somebody got hurt.
0: And that's what it really comes down to. If when you come to the Yankees, it only takes one moment where you, your name will be mentioned, and there's going to be that one positive play that everybody can go back to, and they go to we'll the, go to that more than the negative.
2: Yeah, there would have been so many Chuck Knobloch throwing memes. Like, are you kidding no. me? <laughs> <laughs> They
3: even moved him to left field just because his, his his throw was so bad. They had to take him off from second baseman to left field. Didn't improve Myers.
2: No, it made it worse. He was one of the worst defensive left fielders ever. He, was, he like, okay, was. Chuck, we're just gonna go to Kansas City, bro. <laughs> Imagine.
1: So if we had Twitter back in 04 when A-Rod slapped the ball out. Oh, my. You know the you know the memes that we would have seen for that? I loved that. that. I I wanted A-Rod to be gone after that. I When he, when that happened that was bad. and they showed it the replay, you see him clearly doing it. It's like, I wasn't doing it. I was running. I was like, I hate this guy. I, I, oh, yeah, really? I loved it when way. he
3: went boo to the dude that was trying to catch the ball at th- third base and then he dropped it, remember, and then he scored the winning run. I, yeah, that, that was the that that.
1: worst <laughs> <laughs> i looked watching I, I liked watching a-rod get angry like when uh when he got hit by dempster he just kind of stood there with his hand on his hip and then you know he, he showed them up with the home run later he like imitated ortiz that was, like that that was interesting i loved you, a-rod at
3: fenway and a-rod killed the red Sox at fenway he was great at fenway it.
2: my yeah, favorite it. a-rod moment i don't know if you guys remember this i think it was it was one of the Molina brothers hit a really weak ground ball to Arod, who ran down the line, picked it up with his glove, and basically ran to first and beat Molina to first. <laughs> and Molina was so fucking pissed. And A-Rod was like, "What? Well, <laughs> uh, don't do anything. It was easier to do this. It's like, what? you got in like, a <laughs> tricking race with the guy. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> I
1: remember when he wa- – he walked past the pitcher's mound? He got Brandon on yep. the all- That and was all- uh, Yep, he walked all over yeah. the mound. I thought I A- thought Ron Dallas Mimico. Braden was
0: gonna kill him that day.
1: <laughs> when the I Red Sox Dallas fans Mimico. wore those masks, though the, the the blonde, the blonde girl mask, the mysterious blonde girl.
3: Oh that, yeah. Uh-huh.
1: I, I, even though it was the Red Sox fans, I could not stop laughing at that because it was all over the newspapers. It just it was hilarious the way they clowned him, and you could tell it got to him because you know he took it personally, like you know, like the Michael Jordan meme, and. He did kill them at Fenway, so he was. Yeah, it kind of got the back
3: though. I I kind of I have yeah. to be honest. I don't hate a I I I hated him up to two thousand and nine, and then after two thousand and nine, I kind of gave him a bit of a break. Uh, yeah. That season that he had, where he hit fifty-four home runs for us was outrageous like what he was doing was stupendous like it's incredible
2: i mean he, he almost hit day. like 34 home runs before getting out of like may or june it
1: was, yeah that, that was like was ridiculous
2: oh like, yeah i remember like was it was it
3: 2009 where the yankees were down like 11 runs after the first inning and then we actually scored 11 runs the very next yeah. inning and he hit a grand slam or something like that because i remember watching that game and i was jumping around like a like like I was a kid, it was awesome.
0: That's why you you can't you gotta watch you gotta watch the whole game because you don't know yeah. what's gonna happen. You know, we
1: did that in 2012 against Boston.
0: No, so, while we're on the before we wrap this, up and we were talking about Boston. Um, we did get the announcement officially that Pastrňák is going to be retiring.
3: Um, good, good. So
0: I, wanted, I just wanted to say that I actually liked Pajoya as a Red Sox. I think he really enjoyed the rivalry. He loved playing against us. And I, I always thought he was one of the better second basemen that never really got the credit. Evan?
2: I hate Pajoya. He was
0: he was obnoxious. He's hate- no better
2: than Chase Up Utley to me, you know? I know his stats are better, but, like, come on. He, he was okay. Cano's a better second baseman than he is or was.
0: No, I'm not, No, he wasn't better than Cano. I thought he was – you know, he didn't get – you know, he, he was better than people let him, you know thought. Yeah, but he's been injured for the
2: past six years. Yeah. It's like they talk yeah. about how he retired yesterday. No, he didn't. He retired six years ago. That's, well, that's why I'm away. saying
0: he officially retired. We knew he wasn't coming yeah. back. He, he, he
2: was a bum. I didn't enjoy his career. He played on Boston. I hate Boston. I hope no one from Boston ever has any success at all. And I had to watch him win the World Series like three times. No, fuck him. I don't care.
3: Prior to his injuries, I loved to hate him because he yeah. was—he—he was, he, he reminded me of everything which I dislike about Boston. <laughs> it's just so so he
0: was—he was. He was perfect at <laughs> He, re- he, re- he embraced it. Yeah, that's it. That's what I mean. That's, that's, why, why, I love we, that's why we have the feelings we do towards him. Yeah. Because he he loves poking the fire on us.
3: I mean, I'll give you that because there's no one in Boston that I even give a fuck, for, excuse me, that yeah. I care about now. But no, But uh, back then, yeah, they had some guys that you just love to hate, and he was definitely one of them because he yeah. did kind of kill us in games. He always came up with a clutch hit, and it really annoyed me. I didn't think he was overly talented, but he always was really good at getting a big hit in a big spot, and yeah. it really, really pissed me off. All
0: right, well, we're, we're gonna wrap this up tomorrow. We're gonna to be talking, we'll talk about um, our favorite and our least favorite um trade acquisitions. So, I think that'll be another fun way to uh. I think we actually
2: also need to talk about how the rivalry in Boston has kind of gotten diluted over the couple of years, you know,
0: because what
2: we remember from the 90s and early 2000s, I mean, that was... There was fire in how we yeah. felt about the Red Sox and how they felt about us. I mean, you could not go to the stadium wearing a hat and cause shit and not think something was going to happen. Same with, you know, Red Sox fans coming to the stadium. That's not the case anymore. And I wish that was. No, and up.
0: you know what? I, I think we need to bring a guest on that's a Red Sox fan to have a little fun with that chat.
2: What about Cushman? I could get Cushman. I actually, on. I
0: was he's exactly what I was thinking of.
2: Okay, cool. We'll see you guys tomorrow.
0: All right. So now it's gonna wrap it up from Yankee Chronicles podcast. Everybody have a good day. Stay safe. Stay smart. See you tomorrow. Peace.